Hello everyone, you are listening to Culture Dialogue. It's a new section where our friends from various regions tell us about their culture. We discuss cultural phenomena and compare them with the cultures of our neighbors. Today I will take you on a Russian road trip. We will follow the footprints of the Russian language and discover how it coexists with some national languages. During our trip we'll visit several cities and countries and meet the locals on our way. Fasten your seatbelts and off we go! While we are heading to our first stop, I want to share with you some facts. Did you know that the Russian language is official in several other countries? So if you speak some Russian, you may be understood in Belarus, or Kyrgyzstan, or Kazakhstan, or even Abkhazia. In the previous episode, I told you that more than a hundred nationalities live in Russia. That's why we have such a great linguistic diversity. There are many regions in Russia where, in addition to Russian, national languages are spoken. Not all of them can be preserved, though. The languages of the small ethnicities in Siberia, in the Caucasus, and in the northern regions are especially under threat. You have reached your destination, Moscow. Our first stop is Moscow. Here in Moscow you may hear examples of the Moscow accent. Some Moscovites, that is how you call the citizens of Moscow, stretch out vowels. There are no dialects in Russia, as in Germany or the UK. People from different regions easily understand each other. But anyway, some differences in the pronunciation and vocabulary do exist. In the 18th century, academic Lomonosov fixed the Moscow version of the Russian language in a grammar textbook and made it the official pronunciation in the empire. In the Soviet period, Moscow accent was the standard accent. All the radio speakers and TV presenters were told to speak with the Moscow pronunciation. Well, let's dive in the subway for a moment. I'd like to point out that some basic knowledge of the Russian language may come in handy here. Moscow is deceptive when you are a tourist. Of course, some people do speak English here, and you can find signs in English, but it's no time to relax. On some metro lines, stations are announced in English, but it doesn't happen everywhere. And sometimes these announcements may be confusing. One of the stations is called the Street of 1905 Year. I remember it being pronounced like... That is quite an odd mixture of Russian and English. Well, it's time for us to move on to our next destination. You are in St. Petersburg. St. Petersburg is the place where the Russian language has changed a lot. Back in those times, the city was the capital of the Russian Empire. In 1917, Russian was significantly reformed. The spelling has changed a lot. Four letters were removed. Imagine, there are 33 in the Russian alphabet now, and there were even more letters before. The goal of the reform was to make Russian easier for learning. It was an urgent issue then, because less than half of the population could read or write. It's believed that the modern Russian language, which we speak now, is only about a hundred years old, and it originates from this language reform. Well, it's still one of the trickiest ones for the foreign learners. You know, the Russian language is not the only one spoken in the country. 
Some republics, like Chechnya, have their own national languages, which have equal status to Russian. And to find out how multiple official languages coexist with each other, we'll head to Kazan to visit my friend Renata. In Kazan you notice a mix of languages. All the stations in the metro are announced in three languages, Russian, Tatar and English. At every official event, two anthems are played, the anthem of Russia and the anthem of Tatarstan. Tatar speech is always heard on the streets, for example at playgrounds. A young mother calls her child affectionately, Kizim or Ulim, which means daughter or son. Renata, my friend from Tatarstan, told me her story of learning the Tatar language. Hi Renata! Semeses, it means hello. So my name is Renata, I'm Tatar and I was born in Kazan. Now I want to tell you about current situation with languages. Uh, probably you will never meet in Kazan a modern young person who speaks Tatar fluently if this is not a person from the village. If the language was studied at school, then most likely young people know very basic words and can have a couple of simple dialogues, but this level is not enough to speak fluently with a native speaker. Children who used to speak Tatar in their families who still had grandparents alive, they most likely can freely speak Tatar, maintaining conversation with a native speaker. About half of my class at school were Tatars, maximum of five people from the entire class, about 30 people, speak Tatar fluently. They are native speakers only because their family speaks Tatar. It has been customary since childhood to bring up children both in the Tatar language and in Russian. Okay, thank you. And what language did you study at school? The language was studied even when I was in kindergarten, then from the 1st to the 11th grade in school, there was a division into groups, Russian and Tatar. People who have Tatar surnames go to the Tatar group, so it was with me. I was sent to the Tatar group only because I have a typical Tatar surname, Fatkulina. But the biggest problem is that I don't know the language. It's not customary in our family to speak Tatar, like most uh, representatives of modern families in Tatarstan. And people like me with a Tatar surname and who didn't speak Tatar fluently were sent to the Tatar group. Oh, that's so strange that you had to learn the Tatar language and to study among Tatar children, even though you didn't speak this language before. And what about literature at school? The school has a division into Tatar literature and the Tatar language. These are two different subjects. One studies the work of Tatar writers and poets. The emphasis is more on reading, pronunciation and translation. On the other, there are grammar and rules. I remember that there were more academic hours in Tatar than in Russian, but now everything has changed due to the huge number of complaints from parents and students themselves. This is due to the fact that there was a lot of homework and children, not knowing the language, had to do difficult exercises. I consider myself capable of learning languages, but in 11 years I have not learned anything. And I am not alone, the situation in other classes and schools was the same. And why do you think you weren't able to learn it at school? 
I think it's because we don't have a program for teaching Tatar as a foreign language. There are no manuals and teaching systems. We were taught the language as if we had been speaking it all our lives. In addition, there is no environment where one could speak Tatar. If a family does not speak, the language will be forgotten. As a result, the teachers focus on the children, conducted a dialogue in the classroom more with them whose family are Tatars and they speak a mixed language at home. Uh, would you like to know Tatar better? I really like my nationality and history and I would like to know Tatar as a sign of respect. I don't know. And also Tatar is similar to other languages, for example, Turkish. So yes, definitely I would like to learn Tatar. I see. I was also interested in learning about modern music in Tatarstan. Are there any popular Tatar performance in Kazan? Renata shared a couple of tracks, so let's listen to them on the way to the next place. Tatar music can sound both this way and that. It's time for us to move on to our next destination, Kazakhstan. You are in Aktobi, Kazakhstan. Do you remember that at the beginning of this episode, I said that Russian is the official language in other countries as well? They used to be former republics of the USSR. I came to Kazakhstan to visit Altanai, my friend, to find out how Kazakh and Russian coexist in this country. Hi! Hello! What city are you from? I was born and raised in Aktobie, Kazakhstan. It is a very beautiful and cozy city uh, with a population of about 1 million people. Uh, Aktobie is translated from Kazakh as White Hill uh, because the city is located on seven white clay hills. Oh, that kind of sounds like Moscow because we also say that Moscow is built on seven hills. What languages do you speak? I speak Kazakh, Russian, Turkish and English. And how did you learn Turkish and why? I studied uh, tourism in Turkey, in Antalya, for several years in tourism college. So I've learned Turkish there. And also my mom is half Turkish. Uh, so I speak Turkish since my childhood. That's very cool. And what is your native language? Kazakh is my native language, but I have been speaking two or three languages since early childhood. And that means you're bilingual. But in what language do you think? I think more in Russian because I went to a Russian-speaking kindergarten and school. Also at home we speak both Kazakh and Russian. Uh, and my mom went to a Russian school and studied in St. Petersburg. Uh, I think there's also a generational difference because I spoke only in Kazakh with my grandfather and grandmother. Okay, and what about understanding of the Russian language in uh, Kazakhstan? If a tourist speaks Russian, where he cannot be understood? I think tourists will be understood almost everywhere if we consider the northern, western and central regions of Kazakhstan. Certainly, everybody understands Russian in the current capital, Nur Sultan, and the former capital, Almaty. Uh, in public places like cafes, museums, theaters and shops, a tourist can safely address people in Russian. Um, a passerby will 
definitely understand you and help you find the right way. Okay, that's cool. I actually have been to Kazakhstan to a camp. I don't remember how it's called, unfortunately. And I remember that practically everyone understood me uh, when I spoke Russian, but there was this one uh, guy who was from the south of the country and he didn't speak Russian and he, he was from a village and that's why we couldn't really communicate. In some distant regions and villages in the south, uh, the majority of the population speaks only Kazakh. Um, the locals may not understand the tourists there, but they will definitely try to help him even uh, using gestures. It happens that people who speak two languages uh, sometimes switch from one language to another without noticing it. They can mix Kazakh and Russian, and common people call it Shala Kazakh, which can be translated as half Kazakh. Wow, I didn't know that. And what languages do you learn at school? Do you learn both Russian and Kazakh or only one? Yes, as for schools, uh, they're divided according to the language of instruction. In the Russian gymnasium, Kazakh was as an elective, and in Kazakh schools, the situation is vice versa. In any city, uh, there's an even distribution of Russian and Kazakh schools. Okay, thank you. And what measures does the state take to preserve the Kazakh language? Oh, uh, Kazakh history and literature are taught in schools. Many books are published in the national language. Some programs, series and cartoons in Kazakh are distributed on TV. Why do many children from kindergarten study Kazakh and Russians send their children to Kazakh-speaking kindergartens? It seems to me that people in Kazakhstan choose for themselves the languages to study and to speak. I have a lot of friends of different nationalities who were born in Kazakhstan, and they have never had any problems with the fact that Kazakh is not their native language. Children in Kazakhstan study Kazakh since kindergarten. When they are grown up, they are equally proficient in the language like native speakers. Uh, now many of the Russian-speaking population send their children to Kazakh-speaking kindergartens so that they better understand the culture of their homeland. I see. Now let's turn to Kazakh music. Are songs in Kazakh popular in Kazakhstan? Of course, they are very popular because Kazakh songs are beautiful and melodic. I advise everyone to listen to the songs performed by Dimash Kudaybergen. By the way, he is my countryman from Maktubia. It seems to me that songs with Kazakh national instruments like dambra and kobus sound very authentic and unique. Personally, I love the songs uh, that I listened to with my grandfather. Uh, these are composed by the famous Kazakh musician Shamshikal Dayakov. <laughs> Well, this song really touches the chords of my soul. It's really moving. Even our national anthem is based on the melody of this great composer. And we also have a separate category of so-called wedding songs uh, that sound at weddings and even anniversaries. The song Toy Jury has become the anthem of the newlyweds. This song really makes me want to dance. I love it. It is performed by the famous Dosmukasan Ben, which was formed back in Soviet times, and the musicians are called Kazakh Beatles. That's very interesting. We don't have anything like that in Russia, I guess. 
Russian and Kazakh belong to different language groups, so I don't understand Kazakh at all. But the language of the next country is related to Russian. I can understand its speakers, although I cannot speak the language myself. You have arrived in Belarus. There are two official languages in Belarus, Belarusian and Russian. Both belong to the Slavic language group and are similar in many ways. It happened because both languages have a common ancestor. Previously, there was an old Russian language, which later split into Russian, Ukrainian and Belarusian. I found an interesting classification by UNESCO. The organization distinguishes groups of languages according to the degree of preservation. According to UNESCO, the Belarusian language belongs to the group of vulnerable languages. This means it's not in danger of disappearing yet, but we still have to be cautious. The language is spoken by most children, but its use may be limited. For example, the language is spoken only at home in the family. We have reached the city of Lido, where my friend Misha is from. He told how the two languages coexist in the country and why it is important for some people to speak Belarusian. Hi, Misha. Hi. Can you tell our listeners what city are you from? I'm from Lida, Grona region. And what languages do you speak? At home in Russian, uh, but uh, with friends in Belarusian. And why so? My parents uh, came from Ukraine and they lived in Odessa and many people there spoke and speaking now Russian. And what is your native language then? My native language is uh, Belarusian. And do you mix the languages in daily life? I mix them sometimes. Uh, I insert Belarusian words into Russian sentences. At such moments, uh, Russians don't understand me. It is believed that uh, Belarusian words are written the same way as you heard them. This is a stereotype. Uh, the grammar is more complicated. The stress may depend on the meaning of the word. And what alphabets do you use in Belarusian? We have three alphabets. The first and uh, the most popular is Cyrillic. The second is Latin. And uh, also we have Arabic. Wow. Arabic? How so? This is because in the 17th century, Tatars from Crimea came to Belarus and they created their own alphabet. I really haven't ever heard about it. But it's not widespread, isn't it? Yes, it's only in Evia. This is the city in Belarus near with my city. Wow, that's real fun. And what is the status of Russian in Belarus now? Russian is considered the state language, uh, but there are difficulties in Western Belarus. There are many Poles and Lithuanians in the major Western cities of Belarus. In their minds, Russians are invaders. They understand it there, but not everyone speaks. You can address a person in Russian, he will have a dialogue with you, but he will answer in Belarusian. Wow, that sounds hostile, but hopefully everyone will understand you. And how are official languages taught in schools? I went to a Belarusian school, which meant that all subjects were in Belarusian. Russian as a foreign language has been a compulsory subject since the third grade. And what about literature lessons? Do you have Belarusian literature or Russian literature or both? I had both Belarusian and world literature. Russian literature was at the heart of world literature. Oh, I see. And what measures does the state take to preserve the Belarusian language? There is a problem that Belarusian is not so actively taught in schools. For example, my younger sister studies in the ninth grade at a Belarusian school. Uh, she doesn't know much Belarusian in comparison with me at her age. Previously, I also asked Misha about popular performance in Belarusian. Of course, we remember Mark Korsh. He is perhaps the most famous Belarusian musician in Russia. 
At the beginning of his career, he sang in Belarusian. But now he releases songs in Russian. Misha also shared with me some local bands that are popular in his country. Belarus is rich in performers who are popular not only in Belarus, but all over the world. For example, Silent at Home, Vlep Strubitskoy, Gross, Team Belaruskich, B2, Nürnberg, Loop of Addiction, and etc. But in this topic, I would like to talk more about Duma music, which has become very popular in Belarus because it reflects the life inside the country. You are not sure about the future, you don't want to change or influence it in any way. This atmosphere of nothingness and doom is very characteristic of Belarusians, who are one of the most unemotional people in the world. The songs are aimed at loneliness and knowledge of the world through study of philosophical works and literature. Of course, there are cheerful notes of life among Belarusians, but there are few of them and we do not really need them. Coming aboard, we are immediately struck by cheerful people even if we take Russia. And these songs just carry the message that we don't see light in this world and must fight for existence on this big planet. Wow, that's some really deep emotional and psychological topics. And it's no wonder why Belarusians are considered to be one of the most unemotional people in the whole world, as you said. They've been reading Gogol in their early age, read Taras Bulba, and it probably will cease to ever want to experience any emotions. <laughs> Let's say goodbye to our friend Misha from Belarus and move on. We could also visit Georgia or Ukraine or some Russian regions in the north someday. It seems like this language road trip can be endless. I think it's time to go home. I hope now you can imagine how Russian and its neighbor languages coexist. Don't forget to tune in for the next culture dialogue. Пока-пока!